Jill Bennett sitting in for Simi Sarah this week. Well, there has been ongoing debate about the issue around or issues around open net fish farms in B.C. As you likely know, the federal fisheries minister has said they are going to be closed. The, the licenses will not be renewed, but not everybody agrees with that course of action. And joining us now is Isaiah Robinson, an elected councillor with the Kitasu Heihei's First Nation. Isaiah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, exactly where uh, the Kitasu Heihei's is located? Yeah, sure. So we're about 800 kilometers north of Vancouver, uh, probably one of the most remote on the coast of BC. And going back uh, a few decades, uh, a bit of the history of, of the First Nation, from what I understand, very much involved in the commercial fisheries and uh, took a pretty big hit when those fisheries uh, were, were kind of taken away or when they really died down. Yeah, that's right. Just like any coastal community, you know, commercial fisheries was, was one of the largest things we had as a people. And so when that collapsed, uh, we had nothing compared to maybe uh, Vancouver Island. Like we, we're very remote, so we really had nothing to truly really fall back on. And what happened to the community then when that was lost? Well, we just dealt with tons of social issues. You know, you're dealing with alcoholism. You know, probably the largest thing we ever really dealt with that, that was very prevalent in our minds is suicides throughout the community. And I understand, too, that so a very difficult, a rather dark time, but that changed quite a bit when salmon farming was introduced and that came to the area. What happened there? Yeah, well, we, you know, we're probably looking at 30 years ago. We started up our own um, salmon farming ourselves before we we even met with industry. We, we piloted ourselves. Basically, what it came down to is our leadership said, how can we get a breadwinner for every household? And so how can we move in that direction. So we piloted off with at least our own concept of the salmon farming and, and that worked for a bit. But then we then we said, well we need to have something bigger. And so we, we decided to grow and develop and you know here we are today and it is you know twenty five years later we've had the, we've pioneered fish farming and we've had the longest agreement with any uh, with uh, with anybody in regards to fish farming period on the coast of BC. And what has that done to the community? Well it's just been, you know, it's our situation has just changed completely over the last 25 years. The last 18 years, we haven't had a suicide. And so, you know, it's our people are, are working. You know, we, in the 60s, we had a 5% employment rate just after the collapse. Now we have a 99% employment rate. That's un, that is unheard of on the coast of, of BC, especially in our remote community in British Columbia. That is, my, that is, that is a huge, huge difference. And all because of that one industry. Yeah, well, our economy is, you know, we're looking at 51% of our economy is just purely fish farms. So, so, so this decision would completely cripple us. And when you say this decision, so we certainly have heard from the federal fisheries minister and plans to shut down fish farms in the Discovery region, in the Discovery uh, uh, region of, of uh, the Discovery Island salmon farms. Uh, is the idea or the fear then that the decision for Discovery Island, that area, it's going to expand and it will eventually include where where your First Nation is located? Yeah, well, that's really it. You know, we just don't know how the minister's handling it. We've been, we've engaged with her over the last couple of years, and you know, the dialogue is very similar. She, if anything, she has already made her decision. She's, she has very much that activist mind, and so that's really our concern. You know, there, there was two nations who were part of the Discovery Islands that were not consulted, and uh, you know, and wanted the farms, 
Uh, and so how, how can they move forward making these decisions without doing proper consultation? Do you have any concerns about the, the impacts or the potential impacts on wild salmon? And I know there's often a difference of opinion. There's a difference mm-hmm. of, of the evidence that's put forward, even what was released in the Cohen Commission. But yeah. do you see any evidence of that or do you have concerns about the impact on the wild salmon stocks? Well, you know, when it comes down to it, Kitasu Hehese has been conducting research and analysis on the interactions between, you know, the wild stock and and the uh, farm salmon for over t- twenty years. You know, on sea life uh, contaminants. You know, and, and our work is in the agreement with DFO science. So, so it doesn't appear that there's, you know, if anything, any real effect on the wild stock. And then in fact, we look at the salmon returns near the farms up and down the coast, eighty kilometers from us where there are no farms, and, and those returns are moving up and down the same, at the same rate. So it's a much larger environmental problem. It's not this 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 situation we're dealing with right now. It's just, unfortunately, it's a sacrifice, of anything, for, for the minister. And when we talk about the minister, and you mentioned kind of a, an activism role, is it your thought then that the minister, Joyce Murray, that she's acting more based on ideology rather than based on, on the science and what's actually happening in the water? Oh, definitely. This isn't the first time I've dealt with this minister specifically on, uh, on you know, the seafoods. And, you know, my first interaction, she came to me and completely disregarded our science, completely disregarded our perspective on the matter. And yet we have this, you know, this reconciliation agreement at one of the largest scales in Canada. And yet when it comes to the commercial fishery, and yet we got disregarded either way. So, you know, when it came down to it, you know, we expect to have government-to-government relationships and not coming to the table with the decision already and saying, here, this is what you got to play with. I understand as well. So there's been a bit of a delay when it comes to licensing and some of the license cancellations or the non-renewals of the license, mm-hmm. uh, a bit of a reprieve. But I know, I know others have... have commented on that saying, yeah, there's a six-month delay, but it does still seem like the writing's on the wall. Well, when it comes down to it, we need to have better dialogue and better understanding. The the science is is not there. This decision is just, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to be completely honest with you. The the amount of fresh proteins that are coming from this for Canadians, this is is one of BC's largest agriculture industries. And, um, you know, I just read something that stats can, we're looking at a decrease of 5% on fresh product. Now we throw, uh, you know, this good protein uh, in in with that. You know, it's just, it's really going to cost the average listener right now a lot of money when it comes to, you know, going to go, going to the grocery store. Right. So what can you do then as far as, I know you said you've consulted with the minister and that hasn't really gone anywhere. What can you as a First Nation do to, to fight this or to protect that industry? Well, when it comes down to it, we just want to have further dialogue with everybody around the table. Um, this this decision is, you know, has really put us in a bad situation with our, our other colleagues when it comes to other First Nations. But you know, we're hoping to have other dialogues and just really explain the situation because you know, Kitasu's done this science and it matches in line. There's no issues, so we, we really need to have an understanding of uh, of where we're coming from in that sense. And when you mention kind of pitting against other First Nations, is that the the idea that if First Nations in the Discovery Islands area, if they're losing this industry, that it, it would seem like an arbitrary decision that you shut it down in, on one part of the coast, but not the other? Yeah, well, I, I think so. And, I, I, and even when it comes to Discovery Islands, I think 
you know, right now they're going through a judicial review because of that decision was made. So, you know, it comes down to it. <laughs> the government really needs to start respecting reconciliation and self-determination because we, we are not going to go, we're, we're simply not just going to take this. You know, when it comes down to it, there is going to be courts. And that's, that's the last thing we want to do. We want to have good dialogue and get somewhere because, you know, my nation, my colleagues, didn't do this to create the development corporation 30 years ago. And this is being one of the largest things that they've developed for it just to be taken away from us. This is taking a long time to get to. And, you know, it's, it's going to cost a lot of money. And I'm guessing too, and, and I've not seen the operation in person, but I'm guessing that moving it to an online system isn't a viable option. No, it's not. And, and, you know, the province actually released a report, I think it was in February by, Dr. Roth of the province, and it'd take 10 years and $1.8 billion to even do that. And you look at the on-land systems right now, like, I think it's called Atlantic Sapphire in um, uh, Florida, the stocks are plummeting. The, the amount of money for, for to operate something like that, it's, it's wild. But even when it comes to, like, my community, industry's not going to plop something like that in the middle of nowhere. If anything, they drop it in Richmond or Delta, where it's flat and where it's, they can directly drop it off to the airport or whatever. Like that, for us, it's not a, it's, it's not feasible. And uh, like you said too, going from a five percent to a ninety nine percent employment rate, my guess is that would also be lost if this was shut down. Oh yeah, well definitely. We we're, we're looking at you know fifty one percent collapse of our economy. If anything, a second collapse that our community has ever faced in, in this last hundred years. All right. Well, Isaiah, we'll continue following along to see what happens next with this. But I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much.